Three years ago right now, I was blessed to get to take a trip back to Fatima, Portugal. It was the second time in my life I had been there and the first time going by myself because the first time I got to go I was with a big pilgrimage group and it's wonderful but it's one of those things where you try to get everything in you possibly can in like 10 days and it's just go 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 the whole time. Well, When I went three years ago I was by myself and it was just incredible. It's kind of like vacation slash retreats and you know, if you've never been there before, I'll just give the quick synopsis. 1917, our Blessed Mother appeared to the three shepherd children on the 13th of the month from May to October. And to this day, you can go where that happened, this big shrine there in Fatima, which is about an hour plus north of Lisbon in Portugal. And so the shrine itself is incredible. The great big square, there are like millions, a million people that can fit in there on May the 13th. And you've got this beautiful basilica. And then the little area called the Capelina, which is like the little chapel right over the spot where Mary appeared to the shepherd children. And so to get to pray right there is so incredible. And then once you get off the campus, so to speak, of the shrine, very quickly, I mean probably like 500 yards, you can be out into a very rural area pretty fast and sort of see the kind of fields where the shepherd children went with their sheep. And to just go out there and walk around is so lovely and then walk another mile plus, you're in the little village area where they lived. In fact, you can go in and still visit their houses and like just go in and spend some time there and like a well that they played at and an angel appeared to them at one point. There's a statue commemorating that. Walk about another mile plus and you can go to their parish church, St. Anthony's. And this is the thing that blows me away about that. They've got a big, beautiful baptismal font, and on the wall is an image of their baptismal record where you've got the names of the shepherd children because that's where they were baptized. But the cool thing there, too, is it's still a functioning parish. So you've got this baptismal font where these saints were baptized, and then right over here is a bulletin board saying, Faith Formation starts this Tuesday, you know, and all this sort of stuff, except it's in Portuguese, so I assumed that that's what it said, but it was very close to that. You know, like all these things are going on. It was just, it was such a great trip and it was so nice to be there in this beautiful place. And like a lot of times, and I don't know if you experience this too, as you're drawing towards the end of a vacation, of a peaceful trip like that, you kind of start to get the like melancholy anxiety of, I got to go back to work, you know, and just you're kind of like, ah, I'd really like to just stay here forever. It's so lovely. And I remember I'm, I was kneeling in the basilica there in Fatima looking at these glorious images and the shepherd children are buried to my right and to my left and it's like, I don't want to leave. I just want to stay here forever. Well, there are two things that really hit me in the face at that point that were very helpful. One was this realization. Okay, if the shepherd children had just stayed home, right? If they didn't set out and do what they were called to do, if they didn't live their vocations, two of them didn't even live past 10, one of them lived into her 90s, right? But if they just stayed home, they just stayed safe, they just kind of stayed at home, I wouldn't have been in Fatima, Portugal. I'd probably never even visit Portugal. I don't know Portuguese, you know, but to go there, I was there because they left the comfortable, safe spot, right? And because they did, now that place is very blessed. The other thing that hit me was as I'm kneeling there in the church and it's so beautiful. It's like our Lord was saying, hey, dummy, the same Jesus that is here in the tabernacle, I'm here with you in the tabernacle, 
I'm with you in the tabernacle in Salisbury. I'm there with you all the time. Like, go home, get to work, you know? And we need that sometimes, right? And I bring that up today, not just because that trip was three years ago and that really helped me, but I think this particular feast, this transition is a tough one because I don't know about you, I love Christmas. Like if it was up to me, that would not have been the last time we sang that beautiful Gloria, but it was, and I'm disappointed about that because I love it. We're all in on the Gloria. You know, it's so lovely because we all know it. I mean, who doesn't like angels we have heard on high? It's great. You know, the singing of the carols and the beautiful decorations and everything that goes with it, I just want to stay comfortable and sit at the foot of the Christmas tree and not leave, right? But that's not really an option. And our Lord shows us today in the gospel that that's not the option that he chose either. We've been celebrating all the way back, you know, since December 24th in the middle of the night that God became one of us, that he became incarnate. And even from the beginning, he made himself vulnerable but in a beautiful way, right? There he is in the arms of his blessed mother. There he is laid in the manger. Of course, we got to remember the manger is a feeding trough. I mean, it's pointing towards the fact that he's going to give us his whole self, but he doesn't just stay there with Mary and Joseph, right? We know as we've been reflecting over these last weeks, like when we had a Holy Family Sunday and we reflected on the fifth joyful mystery, the finding of Jesus in the temple, that after that event, He went home and was obedient to Mary and Joseph. He grew in age and wisdom, right? It's a mystery, but that's what he did in those quiet years with his mom and dad at home. But today, he begins his public ministry. He sets out. He doesn't just stay up in Galilee, where quite frankly, that's another lovely place. If you get a chance to visit Galilee and to go by the Sea of Galilee, it's awesome, it's peaceful, it's lovely. The Jordan River? It's creepy, not creepy, that's the wrong word. It's scary, all right? It's a war zone. In all honesty, it's bombed out. As you go there, I mean, you're on the border with Jordan. There's guys there with automatic weapons. You can't go into that country. It's a scary looking area. And the Jordan itself, we think big majestic river. It's a mud puddle. I mean, it's just gross. Like, I didn't want to get in there. Some people do. But Jesus literally leaves the comforts of home and descends into the river. He sets out into his public ministry. I mean, he's not just sitting at home staying comfortable. He goes out to proclaim the good news. And what is that? He's moving on towards his cross, towards lying his life down for us and then taking it up again. It's not gonna be an easy thing, but notice this. He doesn't just stay at home in the arms of his blessed mother he sets out into his public ministry. And my brothers and sisters in Christ, we're called to do the same thing. You think about those shepherd children in Fatima, they set out. There were a lot of challenges. I mean, as I said, they went to the, it's called the Covid area, where that Capilina, the little chapel is now. They did it every 13th of the month from May to October, except in August, when the government kidnapped them and threatened to put them to death because they were seeing all these things. I mean, they were tough. They went about it. They followed what our Lord was calling them to. And our Lord calls us out of our comfort zones too. And it's interesting. You think about that. How did the, our first reading from the prophet Isaiah go today? Comfort. Give comfort to my people. The comfort that he gives us isn't just, hey, here's a Snuggie for Christmas. The ultimate combination of blanket and sweatshirt, right? Get that, sit at home, it's going to be fine. No. The comfort he gives us is the comfort of knowing that life has meaning. 
that we're called to the adventure of our vocation, that we are called the holiness, that we're supposed to leave home like Jesus to set out into the world. Not necessarily going over to Fatima, but doing it right here in Salisbury to set out into the challenge that our Lord calls us to. Whatever is ahead of us in ordinary time, he wants us to go out there and do it. And St. Paul gives us a beautiful summary of what that means in the second reading today. He calls us to do what? To live temperately, justly, and devoutly. And I know those three words can just sort of like go right by us. Yeah, yeah, we got to be virtuous. Well, look at this. Temperately. What does that mean to have temperance? Well, God's given us so many gifts, right? I like to say that he loves us, and he shows that by giving us the gift of beer. And we tell him thank you by not drinking too much of it, right? Like, use the gifts that he has given us in the right way to show the world that, yes, we appreciate all these things, and we thank him for them by going about it in a good, temperate way. To live justly to recognize the fact that everyone you encounter today, tomorrow, every day of your life is created in the image and likeness of God. We're to to treat them justly, to recognize that fact. Now, what does that mean? Loving the sinner and hating the sin. Being charitable towards the people that you encounter. Is that easy? No, especially with our family because they can annoy us more than anybody in the world, right? But to treat them justly, not to lash out, to have the grace of God to help them to become a saint and to have the humility to let them help you to become a saint, to live devoutly in this age, to recognize the fact that God is with us. He is Emmanuel. To to just have that wonder and fear of the Lord in everything that we do. Like I said, I'm depressed because... Tomorrow is the day that Jim and Miguel, they are wonderful. They're going to start taking down the Christmas trees. I don't want them to. I love my prayer time in the morning in here. I don't like our overhead lights. It's a thing that I have. It makes me feel like I'm at the dentist's office. Sorry, dentists. But, you know, it's like I just, I like the ambient glow of Christmas lights. And I pray over there. And when the Christmas tree is going, I don't turn on any lights. And it's lovely. And I appreciate that. But even though they're going to take those down, you know what? The stars of night, they're still going to be burning. Nobody takes those down. Our Lord reminds us of his love and the ambient glow that continues on, that pierces the darkness every single day. Come up here and walk around at night. There's not a lot of light pollution. It's beautiful. We can see the stars that are glowing all the time. Pretty soon the garland's going to come down. The poinsettias are going out, which actually is a big relief because they're kind of hard to keep watered, and I appreciate everybody who's been doing it. But... You think about that, all these extra decorations come down, but what doesn't? The walls and the roof, right? We have a beautiful church. Christ remains with us. And you think about the way that he sets out today. Yes, he left the arms of his blessed mother to set out. However, it's not as though she just goes away. She's around during his public ministry. She's there at the foot of the cross. She's there with the apostles as he sends down the Holy Spirit. And God, who has baptized us with the Holy Spirit in fire, also gives us his blessed mother. Carry that rosary around in your pocket. Even if you don't have a chance to sit and look at the nativity scene anymore, she's right there with you, reminding you all the time that Christ is with us that he has poured out his grace upon us, that he's given us the Holy Spirit, that he's given us that drive of fire to go out there right here in Salisbury and become the saints we're called to be, to live temperately, justly, and devoutly in this age. 
He called those little shepherd children to be saints back in 1917 and all the way until 2005 when Sister Lucia passed away. Here's the beautiful news. He calls you, he calls me to be a saint too. And even though we have this very special time right now at Christmas, we're able to focus on that and see it in such very bold ways. Still, it's not as though as we set out into ordinary time, all of that goes away. No. Basically, it's just like our Lord. We're called to set out into the world, to bear that light of his love that he's shown us so fully. And today, as we celebrate the feast of his baptism, we see that he doesn't hold back. He doesn't just stay in the safe comfort of his mother's arms, but rather goes all the way into the depths, all the way to the cross, all the way to taking his life up again in the resurrection. My brothers and sisters in Christ, we are called to the great adventure of our own vocations, of following him in that and recognizing the fact that it's not just at Christmas that he gives us what we need, but he gives it to us every single day. He gives it to us right here in Salisbury and he gives it to us so that we too might go out into the world just like him and proclaim the good news that God really and truly is with us. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever.